0: you know i was just we had we had a carol service earlier and we must have had about 50 to 100 children in here and i was just enjoying the peace it was a beautiful thing i was like oh it's so quiet so lovely anyway this this year we saw the most remarkable story in the news and some of you are thinking we've seen a lot of remarkable stories in the news and i don't want to dredge up some of those because many of them have been surprisingly depressing. But for two weeks, the nation, and indeed the world, was captivated by the story of 12 young Thai boys and one coach who had got stuck deep underground in a cave network in Thailand. And this local football team had been celebrating one of, it was one of their 17th birthdays. And so they decided to go down into this cave network, which they'd been to before, so this wasn't the first time they'd been there. Sometimes they went down there. But this time, it was very, very different, because they were about four kilometers underground, When and it had started raining quite heavily outside, to the point where a flash flood occurred, and and at this moment, they were pushed back into the cave. They had to retreat. They couldn't go anywhere, and the tunnel in front of them was completely flooded, and they managed to find this little bit, this kind of rocky outcrop where they managed to go up and to to rest in that place um, to go there, but they were utterly stuck. From that moment on, they were completely cut off, and there was no way back. So, their community and friends and family realized that they, you know, after a while that they hadn't come back and that they were stuck. And so, the search party started. And the truth is, they didn't know whether they were dead or alive. And for nine days, they were stuck on this rocky outcrop. And there were two British divers who uh, had been working their way through the, through the cave And one of the things that it says is when you find an, and they found an air pocket. And when you find an air pocket, you do three things. You surface, you shout, and you do something else beginning with S that I've momentarily forgotten. Um, Smell. No, there it is. You shout, you surface, and you smell. And what they said is the interesting thing is that they said, do you know what, we could smell the boys before we could actually see them, that we knew that they were there. And so there's this amazing bit on the BBC News, if you haven't seen it, seen it, where the diver comes up and he's got a head torch on his head, and he comes up through the water, and he starts shining his light in those 13 boys, and he says, oh, you know, all, are all 13 of you here? And they're like, yes, all 13 of us are here. Can you imagine what that moment was like? You've been underground for nine days, and suddenly this diver comes, and the, and there's light. And in that moment, just the hope, that feeling of, oh my goodness, there's hope. But the story doesn't end there, because they are utterly stuck, and so the the author the search party they didn't actually know how to get them out. So they then spent the next four four or five days just planning how are we going to get them through? How are we going to get them out? Because in in places the caves were so narrow that you could only get one child through at a time. They didn't know how to swim. They didn't. Some of them didn't know how to swim. They didn't have diving equipment. And so what happened was this extraordinary story of about hundred people leading these children through this escape over this four kilometres to the point where they managed to get out. But also, can you imagine what it was like as they began to to see the light? When you have been in utter darkness, to suddenly begin to go, oh, do you know what? The light's changing. The light's coming. And then fast forward to what it was like when they came out into the entrance of the cave. That moment where they're like, we're free. And there would have been their whole community in front of them. And there would have been probably the worldwide press there as well. Welcoming them. But that moment of knowing, do you know what? We're out. We're back out in the light. As Jen said earlier, the whole Christmas season for us has been concentrating on this word, the light. It comes from John 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was the video earlier where we watched Di talking about the message. And as part of that, he was saying, do you know what? It's so easy to focus in on one part of the story that we miss the whole, to focus in on the shepherds and the angels and the little baby Jesus and the wise men and the, and the gifts. And do you know what? That is all good, and that story is all good, but it's, it's part of a story that is much bigger and much larger, and it's easy if we're not careful, even in moments like this at carol services, to get quite sentimental, and and quite Christmassy, and be like, oh, you know, isn't this an amazing thing, but there is a much bigger story going on, there is the story about the light, the light of the world, in um, further down in verse 9, it says this, the true light that gives light to every man and woman was coming into the world, it's an audacious claim, isn't it, to stand there and be like, I'm the light of the world, I'm the light. Things are going to change because of me. And that's what Jesus was saying, is everything's going to change. And some of you might be thinking, do you know what? Why is this light even so important, this claim? Why does it matter? And I've kind of summarized it like this, because the darkness is very dark and the light is exceptionally good. The darkness is very dark and the light is exceptionally good. What does darkness feel like for any of you who've ever been Caving, you know, 27 years ago, I went potholing myself, and and I haven't been since, because it's a fairly terrifying experience. I've got a terrible memory as well, but I can remember this one incident from my childhood of potholing, and just that feeling of the oppressive darkness when you're in the back of a cave, what that actually feels like, I can still remember it to this day. It obviously left its mark on me, but... It can feel very isolating. It can feel like you're alone. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. The fear where it begins to rise in your stomach that we're trapped. Darkness feels hopeless. That's what it feels like. And you can compare that to the light. The light is the opposite of that. You could almost exchange the word light for hope. That's the difference. That's what light feels like. It feels like hopefulness. Things grow because of light. Light is also one of the basic sources of joy for anybody living up in the South Pole or the night, sorry not, not the night pole, the North Pole or the South Pole, where during those weeks and weeks and weeks of endless darkness, they wrestle tremendously with depression and despair. What about? a little child that wakes up in the middle of the night and they start screaming, what do you do? Do you know, I had this experience about three days ago when my daughter, my youngest daughter, woke up absolutely terrified to the point where she was kind of quivering in the middle of the night. And I was like, darling, darling, what's wrong? And she was like, it's the monsters. Was like, what have you been watching? What did our eldest put on the telly? Why are you dreaming about monsters? But in that moment... I can tell you what you don't do when a child wakes up terrified. You don't go around the room and turn off every light and make it darker, do you? You do exactly the opposite. You turn on every light. In that moment, you bring light into the room, and it pushes back the darkness. Light pushes back the darkness. Light is wondrous because it's a source of life and truth and joy. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Our world is beautiful and messy. A beautiful mess, I think, is a great description of this world. Because when it's beautiful, what do I mean by that? I mean that you can go out into nature and you can be overwhelmed by the beauty of a sunset. Or even just climbing up a mountain. Or even the moment that the, the sun breaks through the leaves and you go, that is captivating. An interaction between people where you watch somebody love some, another person selflessly... You're like that is beauty. That is beauty, but on the other side of it, we have mess. That our world is also in a constant mess. So we have beauty, a mess. We've got this beautiful mess within our world. We live in a world with 27 million slaves. When you stop and think about that, it's staggering, isn't it? There's 27 million slaves in our world. Everything is not all right. Mental health problems are on the rise. People are desperately lonely the family's struggling. And what we, what we love to do is we love to go, do you know what the problem's out there? It's the circumstance. It's this thing going on. I can tell you what the problem is. The problem's in here. The problem is inside each one of us, that there are things that we do that we're just not proud of. There's the mess going on inside of us as well. At Christmas time, what is it that we're celebrating? And I mean celebrating because this is This is an amazing moment. This is, we talk about the gospel being the good news. And it is worth celebrating to the full. It is the most liberating, freeing news that God sent his son into this world, into this beautiful mess to rescue us from the back of the cave. If you go back into that caving analogy, some of us got stuck, many, many people stuck in the back of the cave. And what what he does is he brings us into his glorious light. He brings us forwards into the light. Each one of us, he was sent to be a light into the darkness. In him was life, in him was hope, in him was peace, in him was joy, in him was freedom. This baby that lived on the earth for 33 years lived in the midst of pain and brokenness. When people turn around and they say, God doesn't understand my situation, I don't believe that's true. He knows what it, he knows what it was to live in a broken, messed up world. He knows what it was to be betrayed utterly betrayed. He knows what it was to be deserted. I think it's so incredibly powerful that we don't have this distant other God, that we have a God that understands what it is to go through mess. He understands the darkness. He lived in the darkness. When he died on the cross and rose again to life, he defeated the darkness and he defeated death. The story changed from one of oppression and darkness to one of freedom and victory. So what does it mean? Because it's all very well to tell the story. Let me give you a snapshot of what, it, what I think it means. Last Sunday, we had a baptism here. Six people shared their story, every single one of them unique, of what Jesus, the light of the world, had done to change their life. And one of them re- brought me to tears. And I wanted to share Chris's story in his own words He says, my name's Chris, I'm originally from Scotland, and I've been living in Wales since August of last year, and I've met some great people, especially through this church. I was introduced to the church through a homeless outreach program called Open Door. At the time, I was homeless and suffering with a lot of health problems, and I felt like I could not belong anywhere. During this period, I was at rock bottom and contemplating suicide. From that blessed day in January, not only has my life been saved, but my spirit also. I can feel God's presence around me daily, and I thank him for that regularly. The Sunday after I met everybody at Open Door, I attended this church for the first time, and I could feel the Holy Spirit reach out to me instantly. There have been tests in my life and my faith, but I have overcome them all. It's that word overcome again. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I used to have up to 15 seizures, epileptic seizures every day, and my motivation was running low. At this point, Pete arranged my partner and I to attend a conference, Kingdom Sue. During the service, I was prayed for, and I knew something felt different. Pete prayed over me. Since that moment, I've not had a single seizure. To this day, nearly seven months later, I am still seizure-free. Can you see how that would utterly change somebody's life? From the day I met everyone at Open Door, my faith has been given a new lease of life. I believe that God has been repairing my mind, body, and spirit from that fateful day in January. I get electricity and heat throughout my hands and legs when I pray so so that I know that the Holy Spirit is with us. Now we're gathered here together tonight giving thanks and praise to God Almighty. Tonight is my time to be reborn. Thank you. That is an incredible story. That's what the light does. It changes us. It changes me. That would be my story. The light of Jesus coming in has changed me. The six stories that were shared last week were stories of the light changing. Somebody breaking in, upending their life, turning it on its head. And that's what Jesus did when he came into the world. He turned the world on its head. And he said, I am the light of the world. A Christmas We're reminded that a tiny baby changed everything, that God would not let the darkness win. So he sent his son to be the light to lead us out of the cave and lead us into his glorious light. That is the picture, that we are taken from the cave and we come out into that entrance like those children did. We come into the light and that is what God offers to each and every single one of us.